Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Ben and Chris Talk Sports. I'm Chris. I'm Ben. We are here, as always, to bring you our opinions on the news, notes, and happenings from around the world of sports. Today's show will be cricket-free. Promise. I'm indoors. The window is open, but they're not out yet, so we'll not have a undertone of crickets every time I pause. Hopefully it wasn't too bad. Didn't sound like it was too bad, but... (laughs) Couldn't really do much about it, unless you wanted to re-record the entire show and it wasn't possible, so... Cricket-free show. However, not an MLB drama-free show, unfortunately. Baseball continues to be the shit show it has been since the beginning of the shortened season. Major problems for a team inside the NBA Orlando bubble, but not virus-related, so that's a positive. But first, as promised last episode, Ben and I break down our top five secondaries in the NFL. A little bit different than past uh, top five or ten lists. Instead of going back and forth and saying, this is who I have at five, this is who I have at four, Ben and I did these completely separately. We ended up with the same top five teams, just in a different order. So what we're going to do is discuss all five. Then at the end, before we move on to MLB, we will give our list from five to one and then move on. So just a little bit different. This way you're not we're not sitting here talking about the same team twice, giving you a diatribe about the same thing you just heard. So let's get into it. What are the top five teams, Ben? Top five teams in no discernible order right now are Seahawks, Chargers, Ravens, Patriots, and Bills. All right. Those are the, again, completely separate. Ben and I are in two different states right now doing this remotely. Hadn't had any contact until we started the pre-recording of this. And we selected the same five teams for reasons I'm sure everybody will understand once we get into them. But, uh, yeah, so what do you want to start with? Which team? Start with any team. Doesn't matter. Well, let's start with the Seahawks. Okay. I think, uh, and it'll kind of be obvious where I'm leaning towards with the Seahawks. I think the two high points of their um, secondary kind of, Rise them towards the top, and that's Shaquille Griffin and Jamal Adams. Been here very high on Shaquille Griffin for the past, I think, three to four years. I think he's a, he's going into his fourth season. I think. Um, yeah, he is. And I just I just like what Jamal Adams brings to the table. We we've discussed Jamal Adams countlessly. Uh, it was a great deal by the Seahawks to give up the draft capital to acquire him, plus Quandrell Diggs. Although you say that Trey Flowers, um, Trey Flowers, yes, Trey Flowers, yes, uh, maybe in line to be the safety, but I didn't That's what see I read. anything. So, so regardless, either I, I think it'll be Quandrell Diggs. I, it was a good acquisition last season for them to pair him in the secondary, and now you have Jamal Adams added to that. I, I like the collecting group together and i just think shaquille griffin is on the ascension to the top three or four in the nfl of corners as i've kind of articulated in uh our top cornerback discussion that i just think jamal adams is the top safety in the league period i don't know if you disagree or agree um, with those statements? I haven't broken down safeties, but I'd have to say, I mean, Jamal Adams, I don't see 
I don't know anybody better. Maybe just as good. Maybe a 1A, 1B, 1C the situation. Shaquille right. Griffin, um, certainly certainly an outstanding corner. One of the top five easily. I don't remember where I placed him. We did our top ten earlier this year. Honestly, I don't have that list available right now. But I know I placed him pretty high. Uh, I think if it was the top two of a secondary, yeah. they'd be far and away number one. Uh, when you add the uh, collective, as we said, uh, the standards for this, by judging this, would be all five players, uh, two starting corners, a slot corner, and then the two starting safeties. We would determine uh, the top secondaries. Uh, Shaquille Griffin, uh, great year last year, really nice rookie year. Sophomore season was a little off, so I heard. I looked at the stats. I didn't really see a drop in stats at all in that year, so I'm not really sure what people are talking about. He's been a damn fine corner. All three years he's played. Jamal Adams, uh, I mean, <laughs> we've gushed about him on this show for, right. I mean, ever since he, you know, we were blaming the Jets for screwing up the situation they had with him there. Uh, I read that they were going to move Trey Flowers from corner to safety alongside Jamal Adams. Quentin Dunbar supposed to be the other corner. He's facing some legal issues. Who knows if he's going to face a suspension from the NFL, where they're uh, going to be right. with him. Their slot corner. Up- What's that? I believe there's an update on that. I thought I saw it. Well, they said he could return to the team, but they didn't say they weren't going to penalize him yet. Right. Now they. The, oh, oh, you know what I saw? That the. Um, where they were. Uh, the court. The people. That, I don't remember what state it was, but they. They pulled him off the exempt list because uh, the district attorney is not pressing the charges. Doesn't mean the league won't still punish him for, you know, violating, you know, um, you know, their policies, their personal conduct policies. Their slot corner is a little up in the air, too. Shaquille Griffin and Jamal Adams on their own bring the Seahawks into very rarefied air to begin with. I have major questions in the other three spots. But as far as the two lockdown positions go, you're not going to find any better. I think the, the next thing we need to get into is, um, well, I, why don't we get into the Bills since Josh Norm is the one that kind of provoked this conversation, really. Is it funny he's the one who did that, and it's debatable whether he's even a starter on the team? Yeah, I I looked at two different sites, and both sites have him locked into the third corner, not necessarily the slot corner because he's not really a slot corner. No. Yet, so that would mean this is my assumption because I'm not familiar with Wallace really, uh, but he's kind of locked into that starting spot. This could mean that Stavius White is kind of going to go in and out and play that that role that you want out of a corner where they can just follow the best receiver. And that means – because if you look at it, some of the best receivers in the league either play primarily slot corner or they have the versatility to go inside and play slot receiver. So that could be the dynamic because you're not going to – honestly, at this point, you're not going to take Josh Norman and put him in, in a slot. He's just going to get smoked every time. Yeah, and it, it's funny because I, I got my information. Uh, well, I didn't get my information. I made my own uh, list and right. players and, and judged them based on stats I found on like Pro Football Reference. And uh, but I went to Pro Football Focus, and they didn't even mention anything about Wallace. So they had uh, Shaquille Griffin. Not Shaquille Griffin. I'm looking at the Seahawks list still. Tre'Davious White. Obviously, number one corner. Mm-hmm. Josh Norman beside him. Jordan Poyer. 
Micah Hyde, the safeties, and then Teron Johnson as a slot corner. And I didn't see anything about Wallace. I don't know if there's some kind of injury or if that just list but that article was supposed to be written very recently. Um, so I don't know what the situation is there, but they didn't even mention him. So, I mean, I, I agree with you. I don't see Norman at this point in his career with the struggles he's had the last few seasons being a slot corner with the, with the cuts and breaks he's going to have to make with a slot receiver. Right. I don't see that happening. He's going to need to be a regular corner, left or right corner, whatever Tredavious White doesn't want, because let's face it, that's Tredavious White's defense. And oh, absolutely. It, 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 whatever he doesn't take. Now, Tredavious White is good enough to be able to elevate Josh Norman's game, as well as those safeties who've been together for a few years now are good enough, along with Tredavious White, to make that a very formidable secondary. The thing is, besides Tredavious White, is there really a, a, a stud there? Like, there's two studs in Seattle with Shaquille right. Griffin and Jamal Adams. Is Tredavious White enough? Can he elevate the rest of those guys enough to, like, bump them up a level as far as caliber of play? I don't know. So, so Jordan Poyer is very opportunistic, I would say. He had a very nice stat line last year of having – and I'm just going to go off the the – opportunistic kind of safety. He had a sack, three forced fumbles, three fumble recoveries, two interceptions, three pass deflections. That's that's opportunistic kind of safety you're looking for uh, at the safety position. Sure. And he's, he's slated at the strong safety position, but I'm sure he could flow between the two of them. If I looked at pro football focus, I'd probably find out what his splits were, if he had any splits. I like him. He is, I don't want to say he's advanced age, just 29 is not advanced age, but he is what he is at this point. He has maybe a little bit more room to grow, but he is what he is. Same with Micah Hyde. Micah Hyde's been around for a while. There, It's really about Wallace and White, because we know what Josh Norman is. Uh, Teron Johnson, I don't know what he is. I don't know. I mean, he's he's slated. If he's slated in at your uh, pro football focus to be the third slot corner, maybe there's some upside. But that's really what you're looking at is you're looking for where's the upside for a player to kind of rise up above expectations. It's only Tre'Davious White, and I don't know if that's enough to put him to to put any of these other better secondaries as we probably will put it about uh beyond what the bills can be they're just they're just they're their opportunities to grow is at other positions I- yeah and and to be just just to, to clear things up uh as far as you know what what i mean when i say that uh, poyer and hyde are you know, Travis White, just one person's not enough to lift those guys to elite status. They're not Jamal Adams, that's what I'm saying. Right. Like, they're they're very good. And any team would be happy to have them with a solid corner. It's a great combination. Buffalo's got a very nice defense in general. Very good secondary. Uh, but they're just not... You're not going to get Jamal Adams play, game-changer level play, out of either of those guys. Although, no. with White... You know, Tredavious there on the corner. You know that, that he will make them better. But 
Who you got next? I'll just I'll, I'll just I'll just add this real quick. Like I like I said, the, the elevation of the defense is in the other spots. You're you got Jerry Hughes who still has room to grow. The AJ Espinas uh, that they drafted paired with Trent Murphy who's a veteran. Uh, but really, the Ed Oliver and Tremaine Edmonds are the two kind of players you're looking for, like those, like you're saying with Jamal Adams and and, um, and uh, Shaquille Griffin. Those are the those those are the two players that have that growth with Tre'Davious White, but they're just at a different part of the uh, defense. Right. So there's no there's no safety to there's no safe like you said there's no safety of Jamal Adams, like ilk to pair with white at this point. No. Um, I think, I think there's one more team we want to kind of just, I don't want to say we're going to place them, but it's going to be very obvious where they're going to sit. Um, and it's the chargers. Okay. They have now this is, in my opinion, this is the opposite situation. It's they have the safety. And I mean, they have a safety because you. We saw the difference beginning of last year with no Derwin James. Oh yeah, and we saw we saw what he did. Is he was epically good with the Chargers in his rookie season, and that team went to the playoffs and was good enough to go to the playoffs, as we always say, in spite of Philip Rivers. Oh yeah, oh yeah. But here's their secondary. And they're good. They're names. Don't get me wrong. They're names. They're good. They're solid players, but they don't have that that level. Chris Harris had that level, but he is – can we be honest? He's a little long in the tooth, right? You keep saying that. He's 31. I know, but in football years, he's, he's – Yeah, for a, running, for a running back, he would be. Corners can still run around, man. He hasn't been injury prone. He'll be all right. I'm just saying, like – why I look at it that way is that they're the L- – the room of growth is not there. Well, no, I mean, yeah, he, he is who he is, but right. That's so we look at him and say, Chris Harris, is he top? Is he top ten? You could argue maybe he could get to the top ten, but you know, my list, he's not top ten. Uh, he no, might I, I wouldn't think. 10. No, I wouldn't think so. He's not even. I don't even know if he's top fifteen. Uh, I have my list up, and I don't believe he's even my top fifteen. No, I went all fifteen. I went fifteen. I went 17. I didn't have him. I do have his partner, Casey Hayward, in my top 17. Casey Hayward is a very underrated corner. Correct. But he does have some injury issue. Sure. Uh, And then Desmond King, a nice nickel corner, has a little bit of injury history. Uh, Adderley, I don't really know much about Adderley. Uh, I don't know if you do. But he's slated to be their free safety. I would say this is a, a room for improvement, uh, opportunity for growth. But it's pretty much he's a twenty-three-year-old safety. It's like that. There's that room for growth. I just don't know what that growth is going to be. See, Derwin James is yeah. He's he's a superstar in the making. If he isn't already, he's one of the top. Going to be at the end of this season. If he plays a full season and can stay healthy. He'll be able to be listed up there in the rarefied air of top safeties in the game. I don't know if he's Jamal Adams, but he's just a notch below if he isn't. 
if he played if he played his full season, he'd be Jamal Adams. But he he alters how the offense plays when right. he's in the game. Uh, as far as Chris Harris Jr. and Casey Hayward Jr. go, neither one of them is Shaquille Griffin or Tredavious White. But I'm not as concerned about Harris's age as you are. And I think Hayward, while he has had some injuries, is underrated. Neither one of those guys needs anyone to lift them up. They can both play solidly on their own. And if they have somebody solid, like a Derwin James, who can lift them up, that just makes them all that much better. Um, only thing that made me nervous is they're not so sure about their slot corner. So I kind of docked them on that because every other team kind of had, even if it wasn't a great player, kind of had a guy in there where they said, this is the guy. And from what I read on the Chargers, they're still kind of shaky as to one of a few different players that could be in that position. So that secondary is still somewhat in flux, although the pieces they have in place are very, very good. And in like Derwin James's case, great, potentially game-changing. I still worry about the uncertainty because one weak link in the chain can make the rest seem not as strong. So, And back to the point I made about uh, Tredavious White possibly needing to flex between positions, this is like case. This is your case study right here. If Michael Davis, who's slotted as the fourth corner, uh, number two behind Chris Harris Jr., between him and Desmond King, if both of them fail as a slot corner, what happens if A, your best receiver you're going against is a slot corner, or right. B, Let's 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 paint the scenario. Uh, Julio Jones, I know, can go in and out. Uh, Odell, if the offense is clicking, I know he can go in and outside. You start playing these teams with with receivers that are can go inside, and you don't have somebody that can flex inside, or a slot corner who is a professional at slot corner. You're done, and your point. Your link weak link is right there. All right, who we got next? We're gonna go uh, Patriots or Ravens. Uh, we're gonna go uh, Ravens. Okay. I think this, this is, this is your best case scenario, I think. And, and I know, I know, we we differ on number one, but if I'm building a, a secondary, this is how I'm building it. Oh yeah. You you have youth and experience intertwined and that experience isn't so old you have to worry about problems that come with age correct and earl thomas is the oldest one and he's 31 remember according to your according to your metric Uh, he's a geriatric so well no he's not no 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 you're misinterpreting my (laughs) my word no i'm just being a jerk no that's all right he we know what he is so, he is top. If uh, I mean, we can do a list at some point for safeties, but Pretty he good. is. I thought we did just secondary. Yeah, maybe we did. I'll have to look it up. Uh, but he'd be top ten. If he falls out of top ten, uh, performance-wise, that brings down the Ravens. 
But you have the advantage of having Marlon Humphrey, Marcus Peters. Marcus Peters K- needs to get more damn respect because that guy is way better than he gets credit for. He was chased okay, out of Kansas City. He was traded. Right. He was just thrown to the curb by L.A. when uh, the Rams when they wanted to way, way, way overpay for Jalen Ramsey. And then he comes to Baltimore and he transforms that secondary from really, really good into, uh oh, we got to play the Ravens. And well, I think he still doesn't wrong. get the respect he deserves. He's on the wrong defense to get the respect, though. There's talent up and down that roster. Talent is Just, talent. But if there's enough talent up and down that roster, you can say, well, collectively, not one person. This is the roster, Chris. Derek Wolf, Brandon Williams, Calais Campbell is your front three. Clay, yeah. uh, Matthew Judon, I don't know, LJ Fort. Patrick Queen, who's a first-round pick. You got Jalen Ferguson. You got some nice – Backup safety, uh, I'm not safeties, linebackers, and then we went. We just went over the secondary. And Jimmy Smith, they brought back, is not even slated to be top three. He might be the fourth man, and on special teams, like they have so much depth. Depth. He's kind of on the wrong team to kind of stand out. Well, they didn't feel that way when they paid his ass last year. So that's true. That's true. I, I and they have oh. the ability. To, I mean, by respect, I mean more the teams that let him go, not the not the Ravens. Oh, I mean, you're telling me the oh. Kansas City Chiefs couldn't have used him. You're they telling use me him right now. Okay, if you're saying one on one, Jalen Ramsey against Marcus Peters. Okay, most people with eyes are going to take Jalen Ramsey. I, for one, like the way Marcus Peters would fit into a defense. I would like to run. I would take Marcus Peters because look at what the Rams had to give up to get Jalen Ramsey after they traded Marcus Peters for essentially a steal to the Ravens, who made another fantastic move by acquiring him. Uh, people hear this are going to swear I'm a Ravens fan. I'm not, but, I mean, I got to admire a well-run organization, and the Ravens are just that. You know, it. they just... They know how to use them. They know how to use the players they get. They don't just get players because they're a big name. They know how to... They, they could have tried to make a trade for Jalen Ramsey. But they weren't going to give that up to take him. They figured, hey, this team's going to trade for him. We'll trade for Marcus Peters. We know how to use him. He'll be a great addition, along with Earl Thomas, Marlon Humphreys. I mean, I... <laughs> yeah, it's a great move. I'm it's not. I'm not saying move. he's a top a top corner in a game. I'm just saying oh. he is vastly underappreciated. Um, but so I mean, I take him and on with, my team any day. Right, and with the Ravens. They have that player that was at one point that shining star, that that transformative player in Earl Thomas, and maybe Mar- Marlon Humphrey can become that Tre'Davious White, that um, Shaquille Griffin, maybe, but they don't have that upper echelon talent yet, and that's why that's why I think Marlon Humphrey has still has that opportunity. But collectively, I put them ahead of a lot of these other groups oh, that yeah. have that transformative yeah. player because collectively they play together as a unit. And I think we can echo those same sentiments to the next team, the Patriots. Yes. Uh, they have, I, in my opinion, they have one question mark, and that's because we're not familiar with them. Uh, do you agree with that? Yeah. Um, you know who I'm talking about, right? Yeah, I think we should probably tell them instead of being coy. Okay. Uh, uh, safety, Adrian... Patrick Chung, who opted out. Right. 
So they're going to probably, I mean, they haven't announced this officially, uh, Kyle, Kyle Duggar, the second-round pick from Division II college, more than likely going to have to play a big part in that defense as a rookie in the absence of Chung. That is am a question I missing, mark. Am I missing something, Chris? What? Because they signed Adrian Phillips. They did. Uh, so, again, this is where our research has – people slated differently uh, because I'm assuming pro, pro football focus has Kyle Duggar. As no, no, no. They had Phillips in there. I just think okay. Duggar's going to play a big role. Oh, okay. Okay. So this is, this is a bold this, decision. This is an Chris. opinion. This is an opinion of mine. Uh, okay. Um, yeah. I, I, I don't disagree with that actually. Uh, it, I actually think there's three players who potentially could fight for that spot because you have to think of the Patriots, the strong safety position is not a conventional strong safety. They've had Patrick Chum. He is, he's a tough, he was the top player, but he can cover. He covers tight ends and he covers running backs. He's better against tight ends, but you're not looking for that thumper. We don't have Rodney Harrison anymore, right? No. That player doesn't really like Jamal Adams is as close to a Rodney Harrison. You're going to Rodney Harrison's aren't allowed to exist. The way the NFL is today, because you hit too hard, you get a penalty and then you get fined. So it's really no point. Which is why, for the most part, you had there were a lot of occasions where you had Patrick Chung on the field with a Devin McCourty and Deron Harmon. Correct. Yep. Okay. And now Deron Harmon's in Detroit, so I think it's Adrian Phillips, Kyle Duggar, and last year's second round. Second round pick? I think he was a second round pick. Uh, Joe Juwan Williams. I think he's going to, yeah. He's going to have a pretty good year this year. He could be in line to play corner because technically he is a corner. But as we know, the corner position is very, very well stocked for the Patriots. Yeah, I mean, you got the defending defensive player of the year, whether you agree with it or not. Stephon Gilmore, J.C. Jackson, Jason McCourty. um, uh, Jonathan Jones. Jonathan Jones. Jonathan Jones. Yeah, I mean, I mean it's 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 going to be a tough one to crack. But think with Belichick, he does like to rotate players, and people will yes. get time. Players oh, will yeah. get time, and they will get to prove what they can do. So, and p- case in point, last year, Joe Juwan Williams actually got some time last year, but the bulk of it went to Jonathan Jones, J.C. Jackson, because Jason McCourty was down, and some other players got some time, and then you saw a little bit more of Deron Harmon. Mm-hmm. Stefan Gilmore combination because Patrick Chung was playing a little bit more down and you saw uh, Devin McCourty and Harmon kind of playing some slots, some outside because they had to, again, they had to play that versatility. That's why they drafted Kyle Duggar. That's why they drafted Joe Juan Williams last year because they want to create that, that positionless, but positional versatility for all the secondaries. So that way you can have any interchangeable uh, players based on matchups and health. So that's why good teams like the Patriots stay competitive year in and year out because Belichick doesn't just take, Ooh, everyone thinks this guy's the best. He's still on the board. I'm going to take him. He takes whoever on the board is the best for whatever he needs the most. He knows McCordy's been talking about retirement. Chung is, not exactly a spring chicken. 
not that these guys are, you know, I mean, McCordy's already talked about retiring. Yes. I don't, I don't think Chung has, but still, you're going to need someone to come in, learn from these guys, and, you know, be the next in line. Duggar, Kyle Duggar reminds me of the kind of guy who five years from now we're going to be going, how the hell did Belichick know that? Just the way he plays, his style, it, it just screams, this is a Belichick diamond in the rough. I know it's a second round. It's not like it's a you know a sixth round pick like Brady, but I don't know. This just reminds me of the kind of player we're sitting there watching safety after safety go off the board, and there's talent left at safety, and we're saying, "Oh, take this guy, take this guy, take this guy." Then he goes, "Kyle Duggar from uh, Illinois Ryan, Ryan. Yep. Illinois Ryan University, Division two school," and we're like, "What? Uh, okay, I, I mean, I trust Belichick. He." Belichick forgot more about football today than I even know to begin with. So, <laughs> no judgment there. But just, like, I think he's going to be a damn good player. I, I, I echo those sentiments about Joe Jawan Williams, and I know he had a, yeah. a rough first year, but he there was the same, not as much, but there was the same kind of feel about Williams. It's like he's from Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt's not really a powerhouse for football. Uh, so what are we doing here? But he is six, three. And that's like, okay, that's interesting. That's intriguing at corner at safety. It's not really that intriguing, although it couldn't, it could be interesting for uh, a safety position, maybe positionless safety instead of designated safeties. But I think I like him better as an outside corner to kind of match up against those big wide receivers, because Let's be honest. So many of these kids coming out, they just get them bigger and bigger and bigger, and you need big corners to match up against big wide oh, yeah. receivers. Absolutely. All uh, right. So we're going to go five through one. We'll yeah. let you start. Yes. We'll just name them, and we'll move on to our next topic. I, I do want to – before we go to the next topic, I just want to say the, the Browns are up and coming. I like what they're building. They could be a surprise team by the end of the season to jump into this list. But at number five, the Chargers. Number four, the Bills. Number three, Patriots. Number two, the Ravens. Number one, Seattle. My top five secondaries in the NFL. At number five, I have the Los Angeles Chargers. Number four, Buffalo Bills. Sorry, Josh Norman, not quite. Number three, Seattle Seahawks. Number two, New England Patriots. And number one, Baltimore Ravens. Okay, on to baseball. There's a lot to get to. There's there's a couple topics here. We're we're not we're not going to deep dive into one like we did our our, our top five defense list. But uh, the first thing I noticed, we'll get we'll get to the A's Astros brawl in a moment. We'll probably close on that just because that's going to take the most time. Yep. Indians young starting pitcher Zach Plesac, after start on Saturday, was in Chicago. Apparently decided to break the COVID protocol that they just set in place. Go out with some friends to dinner. Didn't inform the team officer that the league set, you know, gave every team. How he ended up getting out without somebody seeing him, I don't know. And has been sent home from the team. And they're talking about, despite the fact he owns one of the best ERAs, whips, strikeout-to-walk ratios in the game through three starts, about sending him to the bullpen. Suspension may be possible, I don't know, because the most recent agreement, it was decided that dude had a written warning before you were suspended 
So I don't, I don't see how he'd be suspended for one violation. Look, my opinion, it's dumb. I think he's irresponsible. Uh, I think people just need to remember, though, he's a young kid who has a lot of fame, and he's performing at a high level right now. And I'm not trying to justify him acting like an idiot by going out in these situations. But just remember when you were all 25, if you had the kind of resources this kid had, how would you be acting? Just put it in context. I do think it was a poor move. And for the sake of consistency, something needs to be done. And that's where I will continue with my consistency. I'm going to treat him just like I treated Lou Williams. You're wrong for doing this. You, at minimum, need to be put in quarantine for 10 days. And by default, you will miss at least a start, if not two. But if we're going to go by the letter of the law that they just put out, he needs to get a written warning. Right. Do I agree with that? No. I think he should be suspended. No, he should be, yeah. Uh, just like the Williams should have been suspended, but his suspension was essentially quarantine. Uh, but I just think he deserves a suspension. FY, his uncle is Dan Plesak. Dan Plesak's the man. Yeah, I know. You're goddamn man crush. You, you knew I was going to uh, drop that. Oh, absolutely. But Dan Plesak is a, a funny dude. And uh, his his nephew, although exercising poor judgment, looks to be extremely talented. Yes. Um, yeah, no, I agree. Something's got to be done. Although I will say this much before I move on to the next topic. Um, he will be quarantined for 72 hours, which first it's two weeks, and it's 10 days, and it's three days. Now, I, I don't know. Nobody knows what we're doing here, so that's awesome. What's the, sta- um, what's the standard, Chris? Because that's the thing. every what's sport the standard? has a different one. It has to be this, has to be that. You know, I, I don't know. Uh, you can't celebrate holidays, but you can ride in the streets, and that's okay. I don't know. I'm <laughs> I'm just a simple man who, who doesn't know what I'm doing. Um, but uh, apparently his next start, naturally, due to the rotation and the fact that the uh, Cleveland Indians have had very good starting pitching this year, would not come until the, uh, the 22nd of August anyways. So he'll have all the time he needs to think about this and quarantine and make sure he's clean so we don't have another Florida Marlins or continuing St. Louis Cardinals saga. Speaking of the Cardinals, not only is the Cardinals Pirates series that should be going on right now been postponed, they have already postponed the upcoming, um, who are they going to play next? I think a doubleheader with the Tigers on Thursday that is supposed to make up for the first weekend they missed when they all went out and got sick. When they had to cancel that series in Detroit, that doubleheader they were supposed to have on Thursday to start making those games up has already been postponed. The Cardinals, to this point, have not played since July 29th. Um, yeah, I mean, Rob Manfred, you got this in hand. Good job, buddy. So, yeah, it's a doubleheader against the uh, Tigers. It was Tigers. Yeah. Okay, I thought so. but Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's nice. It's neat right here. It's right in the middle. St. Louis at Detroit. Postponed. St. Louis at Detroit postponed. I'm telling you, Chris, I don't wish this, but it's going to end. There's no way it won't. There's no way. Sooner or later, it's just going to end. There's no way they're going to get through this. To this point, you've had almost 50 players and club members of club personnel get infected. You've had players such as Marcus Stroman, Mets starting pitcher, who announced today he's opting out. There's too many concerns. 
they can't they can't keep their stuff together being MLB and he's done walking away. See you next year. Uh, can't blame the guy. Um, not only fifty players and coaches and, and and members of teams that have been infected, thirty games have been postponed. Where they're gonna make those games up, I don't know. But apparently, we're in order to keep players safe, we're gonna continuously pull double headers. Okay. I, okay. I don't understand it at all, Chris. There's there's again no consistency. No. No no way they're going to be able to get they're gonna actually get a postseason in. I I just don't see that. It, it's incredible that they've actually gotten this far. The St. Louis Cardinals, Chris, how many games has the St. Louis Cardinals played? Oh man, I'd say I have it. Five. I have it in front of me. Yes, I'd, have five. To, I'd have to guess five. five. Yeah, five or six. I'll five, say, yeah. right on the button, Chris. They played five games. And they haven't played in almost two weeks now. The first place Chicago Cubs have played thirteen. Yeah. The Brewers have played thirteen. The Pittsburgh Pirates have played sixteen. The Pittsburgh Pirates have more lot wins. Than the Cardinals, but because they have thirteen losses, they're they're below them. It's like if if it's possible, like the Cardinals could win their division if the Cubs and the Brewers start to lose a little bit more, and the Cardinals actually decide to start playing. You want to have people held accountable by their teammates if they go out and they get infected and they come back and they infect other people. You infect your teammates, and you can't play for that reason. Due to the nature of this entire season, and being on touch with a tight schedule, because the playoff dates are supposed to already be set, like they can't push yes. that stuff back any further. Due to the nature of that, if by a fault of somebody being careless, your team gets infected and cannot play, that's a loss for you. You want accountability? You go out to a casino, you go out with your friends after a game, you want to go out to a nightclub and not be safe and not wear a mask because you're, you know, you're big and rich and nothing can hurt you. Guess what? You just got your team a whole bunch of losses while you all sit there in quarantine and recover. Good job. Because right. it's just not fair to the other teams that no. are actually playing. And, and now you're affecting the Pirates, who have played 16 games, but now they can't finish a series with you. You can't... Pl- the Tigers uh, need some wins to try to maintain competition with the Twins, but they're not going to be able to get their doubleheader in because they're not going to be able to play the Cardinals. That's not their fault. So I agree. If you can't be responsible and stay inside a self-contained bubble of going to the park and then going home when you're at home, staying with your, staying at your house – have your groceries delivered. And then when you're on the road, just go to the freaking hotel after you're done. Just get through this season. It's just ridiculous. Speaking of ridiculous, the ongoing just circus that is anything to do with the Houston Astros this season. We do have to say this has nothing to do with any of the cheating scandals. Well, the fact that they're a-holes does. Okay, I'll give you. I will give you that. You know this story a little bit than I do. You were telling me about it before we started, so I'll, I'll defer so, to you on this one. All right. So Ramon Laureano got hit for the third time in a outfielder series. for the Oakland A's. 
Correct. Uh, it was interesting because he was. It seemed like he was showing the pitcher how to follow through uh, with his pitches because the ball kind of ran. It if it stayed in a straight trajectory, it would have hit him on his elbow, but it kind of ran away from the pitcher and kind of hit him in the back shoulder blade. So it wasn't like Liriano was. I guess he was, in a sense, he was talking a little trash, but he was kind of like demonstrating to the pitcher, hey, this is how you're supposed to follow through. Um, and the catcher, you know, walked him to the first base and, and a little jabbering back and forth between him and the pitcher. And I don't know the pitcher. He, I don't recognize the name. So I'm, I'm assuming he's just a young kid or a minor leaguer who – just have some control issues. But the report says that Ramon didn't have any issue with the hits. I mean, getting hit, he, he got hit three times. I, I can't imagine he had a big issue. Uh, and he has no ill will towards the Astros. I guess he's chit-chatting with them as he's on the base path throughout the uh, series. It was the the hitting coach, Alex Cintron, who was jabbering back and forth with Ramon as he's going to first base. And apparently he dropped a line about Ramon's mother that didn't sit well with. Because we're we're 12 years old now. Now, now Alex Dintron did play. I don't remember where he played, but I distinctly remember him playing. He played left out. Okay. He was an all-star left out. Okay. <laughs> Thanks, Chris. No problem. Um... But what, what I found funny was he was jabbering back and forth with Ramon and he was instigating him to come fight him. And the second Ramon charged, yep. he had at least three or four players between himself and Ramon. Yep. And so, he ducked away like a chicken. Yep. yep. Like, you're going to talk, at least stand up and, and back up your words. But he didn't. I, I just want to point out before we move on to our last topic, because yep. look. We're, we're, we promise, we say it every episode that we end up doing, we promise we're not going to sit here and dwell on MLB's incompetence. That story is getting to be as old as, as old as time now. I just find it funny that, you know, Joe Kelly, who was clearly throwing at the Astros, yes. didn't actually hit them most of the time because we all know, look, Joe Kelly's an entertaining character, but he'd have trouble hitting water falling out of a boat. And... He gets suspended eight games because Rob Manfred has to protect his boys down in Houston. I think Manfred's probably got a you know an Astros tattoo somewhere hidden under that suit. And now, Mike Fires plays for Oakland, pitches for Oakland. Yep. He was the whistleblower. Now Oakland players are getting plunked by Astros pitchers. Nothing, not a peep, not a warning. Nothing from the commissioner because couldn't do anything against the Astros. It's just kind of funny to me. There's going to be more punishment towards Ramon Laureano for this than there is anybody on the Astros because Rob Manfred isn't capable of making a good, fair, unbiased decision. It's it's uh, I can't wait to see what the fallout is for this because... If I'm right on that, and I hope I'm wrong, I hope I get to come on next episode and tell you 
Manfred, for once in his miserable existence as commissioner, did the right thing. I just don't have any faith in it. Or him. I, I wouldn't either, Chris. I'm not hopeful. He's done nothing to prove that I should. Realistically, Alex Intron should be gone for the rest of the season. I've seen that a lot on uh, Twitter and uh, other places where this is at. And I agree with that. Because he's essentially, he is the instigator in this situation. And I, I like the quote by Ramon Liriano. I'm trying to pull it up so I can get it uh, 100% accurate. Um, he said, I regret charging him because he's a loser. End quote. That's pretty accurate, Ramon. Good, good job. Is, very, very eloquently yeah. put. Right. He regrets the action, but just because the person is a loser. And that's correct. He is a loser for doing that. There was no reason for Alex Cintron to do that. No. The players can handle the pettiness on the field. And realistically, there was nothing there. No, it was probably Loreano getting hit multiple times was probably, it was probably a good natured joke or, you know, maybe he was a little, you know, maybe he was a little pissed off, but it was more or less, Hey, that's how you follow through. Ha ha. They jot a little bit, the pitcher and Loreano catcher. Like you said, walked him up first base. Catchers will do that often. If they think there might be a problem, Right. everything seemed okay. Like you said, he was, he was talking to other Astros players. And Sincho, out of nowhere, starts his full-on brawl. He needs the biggest suspension of anybody. Loreano's going to get a game or two, and he needs to, because while I don't think he's wrong here, he did charge him. Yeah, That's got to happen. You can't have somebody... I mean, we can't let everybody be the Astros and just get away with everything. No, he needs but, to be gone. Yeah. Uh, well, no, no. Not... Well, Loriano only for a few not games. Loriano, not Loriano. Centrum, I mean, yeah. I mean, Centro needs to be gone. Just I'm talking about Loriano. Like he's going to get a game or two, but what about the thing no one's talking about here? What's that? And I, I didn't actually see. I didn't count how many of these players are supposed to be wearing masks in the dugout, according to the new bylaws of MLB that they put in place about a week ago. Because you know they love being late to the party. Players in the dugout are supposed to be wearing a mask. Some may have been, a lot weren't, and now they're getting in fights, contacting each other, putting their hands on each other. You know, there's probably possibly some spitting going on in there. Like what? Like how? What? What is? What are they going to do to enforce the whole distancing policy they're trying to set in place? Because it, it is meant. It was mentioned in the article how the social distancing protocols were not adhered to. No. Um, actually, it's funny, Chris, because I'm looking at a uh, uh, the video right now, and you, Alex Cintron has his mask on. There's one small problem. It is covering his chin. Yeah. So he could talk. So, so this is uh, actually... I'm looking at it right now. There are, there's a player without his on. There's another player. There's another player. The pitcher. Uh huh. Well, the pitcher, the pitcher is on the mound. He's not going to have. Oh, that's right. You don't have to if you're on the field to play. Uh, There's a, there's a couple. There's actually not that many Astros that didn't have theirs on, as far as I can tell. Uh, I'd have to freeze frame it piece by piece to see, but there's at least 
There's Cintron, and then there's a, a a player next to him that didn't have their mask on. But your, your case in point, I mean, supposed to have them on. That's the rules. We're not. We're not gonna. We're not gonna follow the rules. And that's that's just clear and evident. We're not gonna follow. Well, I mean, the rules. if you're a member of the Astros, why would you bother? Manfred's already proven he won't do a damn thing to you. So moving on to the NBA, do you trust the process? Let me be very clear. I never trust the process. I never believed in the process. I thought the process was full of bullshit. Oh, whoa, coming in hot, coming in hot. And congratulations, Chris. Guess who was right? This guy. Why are you congratulating me for you being right? I just want some applause for a change. I mean, it I, kind of, right. the, I mean, I don't blame you, um, but like the audio, it's on really bad clapping over the mic, so I won't. But just uh, how about a... Gentle golf clap, perhaps? That's fair. I'll take the golf clap. Yeah. I mean, for anybody not in the loop, uh, the process is what the Philadelphia 76ers call their, I guess, their roadmap, roadmap to success. Yes, that's and what they call And they have a lot of problems. That's a bumpy road now. Because you have two of their best players. If not, their two best players. Their two best players. One of them, who is already injury prone to begin with, being Joel Embiid. Am I saying that name right? Yes, Joel okay. Embiid. Joel Embiid left with an ankle injury. As of now, it's undisclosed. They don't know severity, but he's somebody who's already had issues in that area before, so it's not looking good. And Ben Simmons was injured last Wednesday, I believe, or this past Wednesday. And when it is either already had or scheduled at any time now to have knee surgery... And there will not be a timetable for return until after that surgery. Either way, without a lot of games left, the 76ers are the sixth seed in the East. Only a game out of fourth and fifth, but they're still the sixth seed. They don't have these two guys. How likely is that they fall out of contention? Well, mathematically, I don't think they can fall out of the playoffs. Okay, that's good for them then. But here, here lies the problem. Is... Joel Embiid is a matchup nightmare. The advantage the Celtics had is that they had Al Horford who could match up with him. Okay. So now Al Horford's on the Sixers. So there's no other than, I guess, Giannis and a couple players out in the West. There's really no one who matches up well against Joel Embiid. The only true matchup against Joel Embiid is the fact that he gets injured so much and can't really play too many uh, back-to-backs, too many games in a row. His minutes restrictions are still existing from when he started playing. Again, as you pointed out, he has injury history. He didn't play his first season. And Ben Simmons didn't play his first season. It was actually controversy because he won Rookie of the Year in technically his second season. Yeah, that shouldn't be allowed. Uh, it was because technically he didn't play. Although I contend it shouldn't account. It, sh- it should count in his second year because let's let's be honest, Chris. Do you think he didn't cash those checks for his rookie season? Yeah, that's weird. So, but he got credit for rookie of the year in his second season. That's how I know Ben Simmons has history uh, injury history. So, and they just gave Ben Simmons. Uh, believe the beginning of, uh, before the season started, his max contract extension. So they saddled their boat to Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. Two guys with injury history. With injury history. 
And and part of the process, we went over this, uh, I think a few months ago when we were talking about how the 76ers are the worst run organization. I believe that was my pick. That was your pick, yes. Uh, how many misses they had at the top of the draft in this short time frame. These are their two best hits, and they can't stay on the court ever. It's insane. It's their two best hits. They haven't, I mean, besides the last couple of seasons, they haven't had a great record. They've been having losing years. They've had miss after miss, like you said. They're a badly run organization. They have their two stars playing the majority of the year, and they're still only the sixth seed. Right. Like, uh, something, the process is a little off, if you ask me. And and just as an extra context for you, Chris, and I want to look this up because it's kind of funny. It's Ben Simmons. His three-point average is 8.3%. This year, it's 28.6%. Wow. He doesn't shoot That's threes. pretty bad. Yeah. His first two seasons, he had a 0% three-point percentage. Well, yeah, because he didn't play. 0%. No, no. His first two years playing. Oh, okay. His first two years playing, he has 0% three-point percentage. He didn't shoot. He barely shoots. He doesn't shoot threes. You gave him a bunch of money, and he doesn't shoot threes. Well, I'll say this. The 76ers have a 0% chance of going anywhere in the playoffs if they don't have either of those guys. Chris, you have you have two less three made three points than he does. Sweet. Two. If you got into a game and you hit three three-pointers, congratulations. You're ahead of Ben Ooh. Simmons. I probably couldn't do that, but it's nice to know at least there's an outside chance I could get lucky. Uh, you, Chris, there's always a chance. I'm going to say no on this one. I usually do believe, but in this situation, I don't think I'm hitting three three-pointers in an NBA game anytime soon. I so, probably could I couldn't probably beat most JV high schoolers, honestly, <laughs> in basketball. So they they have a good team built around Ben Simmons and Joel uh Joel Embiid. Here's the problem. When you lose your best players, your coach needs to kind of step up and and and, and lift the team up. Brett Brown is not that kind of coach. He turtled under the pressure two years ago against the Celtics, who are up-and-coming team. In Brad I don't know Stevens. why that, that phrase always makes me laugh. What, what somebody what somebody turtled when they just they, they duck for cover when a minute like something they can't manage comes at them they just they turtle I don't know it always makes me. Chuckle. I mean, it, it's it's just facts, Chris. They had the team. They had they were built. They had healthy Joel Embiid. They had a healthy Ben Simmons, and they turtled against the Celtics, who are up and coming. It was Brad Stevens' second season with the Celtics, and they just got beat by the Celtics. They had their heart broken by Kawhi Leonard last year. I guess you could call it a lucky three-point shot, but he made it, so oh well. And now I think the evidence is clear. You're just never going to get anywhere with Embiid and Simmons as your star players. You're just not. But throw more money at the problem because history shows that always works. Oh, oh. They did, Chris. They, they signed Tobias Harris to a, a fat contract as their small forward. And they threw money at Al Horford for a few years, who's 30, 34 years old. Tobias Harris sounds like someone you'd meet in Lord of the Rings. I'm just saying. He's, an, he's a nice piece. He's a nice three or four guy. I don't know nothing about the player or the man. It's just a name just sounds yeah, like yeah. someone you meet in the Shire. <laughs> that's... that's you're throwing you want to end on that? You got anything else, sir? Uh, and uh, no, uh, I'm all set. I, I can't focus with that comment. <laughs> Thank you very much for listening. As always, we greatly appreciate it, and we would love to hear any of your feedback on anything you heard on today's show or anything else sports related, for that matter. And Ben, where can they get in touch with us? Uh, you hit us up on Twitter at 
BCTS pod. You can hit us up on Facebook, Ben and Chris Talk Sports. You can hit us up on our website, bctspod.com. All right. Thank you very much. We greatly appreciate all of you listening and all of your support. If you enjoy the show, we ask that you please tell a friend. And if you don't like it, uh, maybe you go to the website and uh, fill out the form and tell us what we could do differently. We're always open to constructive criticism, but if you act like a jerk, we're probably not going to respond. Just a heads up. For Ben, I am Chris. Please stay safe, stay healthy, and we will see you right back here Friday morning. Thank you.